I'm Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Facebook page is Clocker Sports. Website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find the pod on Facebook and Twitter at 30 Pod, the number 30's Pod. Jumping right into it, man. It's playoffs time. You know what it is. We talked about this last episode, and we're going to get right into it right now. The playoff field for Super Wild Card Weekend. Dude, six games, um, three Saturday, three Sunday. No snoozers. I think we're going to be in for a really exciting weekend of football. First and foremost, second of all, I think we can see some what we what the what the books are going to consider upsets, but I don't necessarily think that they are that. Um, when you go back and really just look at what's going on uh, around or in the the recent history, some of these matches are, repeat, are repeats from this year. So, um, and that's not including divisional opponents. Um, so, a very exciting slate uh, on on deck. Looking forward to seeing. Um, a few of the games, but in particular, I think that the uh, Titans and Ravens matchup is one to watch. Now, we'll get to that when we get to it, but that's my favorite one so far. I just have to get that out there in the open. Um, the first one is the uh, Bills taking on the Colts. That game is going to be in Buffalo, and honestly, this is a matchup that I think everybody's going to ex- expect the Bills to kind of run away with. Now, we know the Colts are a very good team. But the Bills have been a great team uh, this season more often than not, especially with Josh Allen, MVP candidate, under center. Now, the thing about this is the Colts' defense is really good. And the Bills' offense is kind of one-dimensional. Even, I'm not going to say kind of, it's one-dimensional. They're heavily relying on the passing game. Really, they're heavily relying on Josh Allen. Because even when they run, it's mostly on uh, him to do so, to, to generate anything uh, of substance for him that's going to make a difference. Now, for the Colts, Phillip Rivers is a guy that can throw you in games and win you a game with his arm. He can also give the game away with his arm because he has a penchant for the turnover. Um, and when you know, as you know, as a quarterback, that's not a good thing. So um, they're going to rely heavily on Jonathan Taylor. He just went off last weekend, 200 and some odd yards uh, uh, in week 17. And he's going to go against this Buffalo Bills defense. That's not great against the run. They're solid against the pass. And like I just said, though, Colts are going to try to minimize uh, Rivers' exposure and and lean on that ground attack. It's kind of funny when you think about it because when Josh Allen first came into the league, he was a run-first guy. Um, you wanted to limit his exposure in the passing game and how many times you had him put in the ball in the air you know, at risk of getting picked off. Well, now it's kind of reversed with Phillip Rivers, who was the guy who was a gunslinger for the majority of his career, still has the mentality, still has games where he can do that for you, but that's not how you're going to win games consistently if you're the Colts. Um, you're going to do it by making him – Make timely plays, timely throws, as opposed to having to rely on him for any substantial stretch of time. <laughs> just being honest, because you know, uh, the more he throws, the more you just get that feeling that the, the pick is coming. He's one of those guys that just has you feeling like that. Um, also, he's a fun watch because he's always talking trash. So this would be a good game. Two number 17s under center. Um, shout out to Matt Dahlberg of Clock Sports for pointing that point out to me. I, I made the cover photo and still didn't recognize that. Uh, but yeah, I, this one... I want to pick the Bills, and I think I might have wrote this for Clocker Sports, um, that Phillip Rivers versus Josh Allen leads 
the Super Wild Card Weekend. And for this game, I picked the Colts 24-21. I just think that in the end, that defense is going to slow down the Bills enough to where Phillip Rivers can make enough plays, doesn't have to do too much, and they can win it on a field goal late. Um, and honestly, that's kind of what I think, that's just how I think it's going to play out. I can't really justify it other than the fact that we just saw, like I said, Taylor 253 in Week 17. Um, Colts defense is 7th ranked uh, in DVOA. The Bills are 12th. It's just, uh, it's not as as lopsided, or definitely not as in the Bills' favor as a lot, as many people would have you uh, listen or believe. The next matchup was the Los Angeles Rams taking on the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And this game is interesting, if for no other reason than uh, the fact that you got a divisional opponent facing each other. And these teams split the regular season matchups. Um, but over the course of Russell Wilson's career, he's the only, they're the only team the Rams are that Wilson has a losing record against. I believe he is 8-10 and 10 against them uh, in his career. And that includes a 3-4 and four, uh against three and five, excuse me, against Sean McVay and the Rams. So this is not a, a, a positive matchup for the Seahawks. However, Jared Goff is dealing with the thumb. He just had surgery, missed last week 17. Um, John Walford actually got the Rams into the playoffs. And the Seahawks defense has been revived the late with the addition of Carlos Dunlap. You know, Jamal Adams is coming off the edge. So I, I, I picked the Rams 31-27. I am not confident in this pick, though, only because – where golf is, I'm not sure how healthy he's going to be. It's on his throwing hand that he had the thumb injury as well, so that's a big deal. Not, you know, that's not nothing to sneeze at. And so, we've seen the Seahawks also become a much more balanced team. This game is going to be relying upon the Rams' defense to make a big play. And I'm also kind of baking in in this prediction um, the the big play. We talked about something this about. We've talked about this regarding Russell Wilson for the past couple of episodes, where he just kind of has that play where it's just a. a Boneheaded play, something that you wouldn't expect out of him, but it definitely comes in the throw. It's just put up there for the other team, and I think that the Rams are a type of team that will take advantage of stuff like that. And uh, so I can see it happen. I got this one 31-27. It's probably too high. 31-27 is probably way too high for him. I think the total on it is 42. Um, But I went with it because I just think that, you know, it's the playoffs. Why not? I'm not picking the low scoring playoffs. Nah, it's boring. Um, but I do have the Rams winning. Again, just not not really confident. Uh, in that pick. And then our third game on Saturday will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Now, you might be saying, how the hell did that happen? Uh, because Washington football team only won seven games. Well, they won their division, and the Buccaneers obviously placed behind the New Orleans Saints. So, this is our, and in the article for Clocker, I wrote, uh, this is the first David versus Goliath matchup over the weekend. But the truth of the matter is, if Washington's able to get out to some sort of a lead, and dictate what Tampa is able to do, right? They make them one-dimensional. That defensive front is able to generate enough havoc, I think, to disrupt Brady's rhythm in the passing game. They're not able to cover those weapons that they have in Tampa, but they can definitely disrupt Brady's timing and get him off of his spot. Uh, as at 40-some-odd years old, he doesn't want to run. So if you get him in his face, no less, um, with that talented defensive line, and then you got the edge rushers and Chase Young and Montez Sweat, um, who Chase Young, by the way, called out Brady, said he wants the GOAT. Why would you not want the GOAT? Brady tried to downplay it, saying it's probably just some Ohio State, uh, Michigan thing. Either way, I love it. That's what you got to do. Talk your talk, your talk man. Uh, that's that's good stuff right there. I don't think that anybody um, is necessarily expecting Washington to win, 
But if they are able to get that that early lead, and I would expect the Bucks to probably uh, to defer. But maybe if I'm the Bucks, I go out there and I put the pressure on Washington to make a to make the the comeback from the jump because I think that you can get a, a touchdown on them easy. I think their big skill is adjusting, um, and so if that's the case, who knows how it works out? It could be first possession is what determines this game, but. I'm not surprised Chase Young wants to go, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that uh, I can, with confidence, pick Washington football team. I pick Buccaneers 31-14. to 14. Although, if there's going to be an upset this weekend, and I mean a true upset, because, and we'll talk about what I mean in a second, but I can see it, I just don't see it, right? Does that make sense? I, I believe that it's possible. There's a, there's a world that's not too far from this one, where Washington walks away from this one as the winners. But it's not this one. I, I, it's not this one. I, Buccaneers, and especially after Chase Young spoke. I know the Rook was just having some fun and, and keeping it loose. Don't do that. Don't, don't don't do that. And, again, he tried to downplay it, call it Brady the GOAT. Too, too late. Brady probably didn't even see that part. He probably did see that part and then whited it out so that he didn't have to look at it while he looked at the bulletin board material that you provided by saying that, of course, you wanted to break. Say to his comment, I love the attitude. Probably wouldn't have. I mean, I love the attitude. You, you got to love that. You got to respect that. Sunday's matchups kick off with the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. This one is a throwback of sorts. It's two teams based around the run, but they go about it in really different ways. Uh, Tennessee, more traditional. Running back, Derrick Henry, 6'3", 2,000-yard club, uh, eighth person to reach that mark. Did so without a Pro Bowl offensive lineman, no less. Uh, and the Baltimore Ravens, they are built around Lamar Jackson and his dynamic running ability. That's not to downplay his passing. I'm not a person who will do that because I think that's silly and, and ignores the fact of how many passing touchdowns he had a year ago in his MVP season. Um, that being the case, though, this is a matchup that we've seen a couple times the past few years. This is the fifth time that they will have met in the postseason. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Uh, But I think the, the biggest thing here is that Lamar Jackson in playoff games, and I've heard big games, and I'll get to that stat in one second too, but Lamar has not shown up uh, as he needs to in the playoffs. Last season they faced each other, and Jackson had career high in passing yards, rushed for over 100 yards, uh, but an early interception is what what ultimately doomed him, and it was 14-0 before they knew what happened to him, and that's uh, the comeback mode Ravens are definitely not the Baltimore Ravens that you think you're getting uh, when you when you when you press when you select the team on Madden, right? You're not you're not thinking about down fourteen to no Ravens. You're thinking about tie game and, and plus Ravens. So um, that was a problem for them. Then and then week eleven, they just played each other. Week eleven, uh, thirty to twenty four victory for the Titans once again. And and it, this one took overtime. So I guess that's a little bit better. But the fact of the matter is, when you factor in uh, Lamar's issues and Going back to college, he's 0-4 in big games. The stat that I had thrown at me today. Uh, didn't expect to hit that one, but definitely heard it. That does not bode well for a Tennessee Titans team that I think matches up pretty well against them. Now, their strength is the run defense. Where they struggle is in passing defense. Now, again, I just told you I'm not going to downplay Lamar's passing game, but I'm also not going to act like it's the strength of his game if, if we're talking about between his arm and his legs. It's definitely his legs. And... While Tennessee, I'm not, you know, they don't get a pass rush. They're really not good at, pass, at rushing the passer. 
Um, but they are good against the run. So if you're, if it's only Lamar running, I think that maybe then they have a better shot at keeping that suppressed as well. Especially if he can't pass, like he would be, need to keep up with them. We've seen them explode, uh, for a lot of points. Um, this one is interesting. It's again, it's going to be a bruising game. Can't wait to see it. Uh, but I think that the Ravens are going to ultimately be in trouble in this one just because of what we've seen the past two years. So this one's an upset, technically. Uh, the Ravens are favored. I got Titans 31-28 in this one. Again, it's the favor technically. or this, It's the uh, bet and the underdog here, favor, technically, because the Ravens are favored. But if you've been watching, the Titans have had their number, and honestly, anybody that can pass has kind of had the Ravens number when it comes down to it because all that time to game plan and the specific things that coaches put in um, to attack the Ravens' defense and to limit that offense – have proven to be fatal flaws to that offensive and defensive schemes uh, the past couple of seasons. So be on the lookout for that. The next one, we have our first team to benefit from the expansion of the playoffs in the uh, the Chicago Bears taking on the New Orleans Saints. This is a game, a matchup between teams that are in two different classes. And I say this as a Bears fan, and I mean that with no disrespect. I'm happy that they're here. I'm rooting for them to win this game. I I, I don't expect it, <laughs> but I'm certainly cheering them on and hoping for a Bears victory come Sunday. The problem is the Bears haven't beaten the Saints since 2008, and they haven't won the Superdome where this game will be played since 2002. So forgive me if I don't have the most optimistic outlook on how Sunday's going to turn out. And I, I ultimately have a problem um, with the fact that this playoff run is keeping in place some people that I think are not necessarily fit or suited for the job that needs to be done here. That being said, they have an opportunity, and we'll get to what that opportunity is, to right a bunch of past wrongs. But in this game against the Saints, they're going to have to face a Drew Brees, um, who's dealt with cracked ribs, missed four games, um, which in which the Saints was 3-1, by the way. Just ended up putting a whooping on Carolina, and will get his best receiver back this week. Michael Thomas has missed most of the season. He comes back this week. Alvin Kamara tweeted out an I'm back tweet or see y'all Sunday tweet. That's bad because the Bears lost Roquan Smith. They still, they might have Jalen Johnson back, but it hasn't really been, hasn't mattered because the secondary hasn't been able to be up on any receivers and therefore have allowed a lot of rack and uh, honestly just, just catches in general. A lot of completions, a lot of, Big plays because they're just too far away. And the secondary, or, or I'm sorry, the linebackers have never been able to cover. Roquan is the best option. He's he's good. He's really good at that. That's Roquan can do that. But without him, you have Dan Shavathan, who was food before, and then Josh Woods, who looks lost. and was He and Shavathan were responsible for multiple touchdowns uh, this on Week 17 against the Packers. And I think you might see that again uh, come Sunday because Roquan is not looking like he's going to be able to suit up. Uh, with that dislocated elbow. So hopefully the Bears find a way to survive this and get those guys, get him back, because Darnell Mooney might be out too. Allen Robinson supposedly didn't practice, even though I thought he was a full participant the day before, so maybe that's just some veteran maintenance type stuff. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Saints put a whacking on the Bears this week, uh, this year. So I, 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 I want to say that they could do it. Um, they, it was week eight. They faced off. Saints have won both the meetings the past couple of years by an average of 31 to 24. So, it's, I mean, it's close. It's close. But, I mean, 
Uh, do you trust it? Can the Bears win? Yeah. Do I want them to win? Hell yeah. Do I think they'll win? Hold on now. <laughs> let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. I have this one 34 to 17. Because the Saints defense is fifth in scoring, just like their offense is. The Bears are thirteenth in scoring defense. Not even gonna talk about the offense. They've been one of the best scoring offenses uh, of the last five weeks. They were like top top offenses in the last four weeks before that Green Bay game. But that's what scares me is what Green Bay's defense was able to do and what I think New Orleans was New Orleans is, is New Orleans is? The Saints is? Uh, what I think New Orleans is gonna to do to these guys when they get a chance, especially if Mooney can't go. Last game of the weekend is the Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers for the third time this season. Luckily, neither team was able to sweep the regular season matchup so they don't have to worry about getting that dreaded and damn near impossible third win over the same team in one year. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was famously dancing on logos for the, of the other team throughout the year and said that he would stop because it was becoming a distraction, blah, 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 um, has resorted to trash-talking the Browns, saying that he wants to give them the respect, but, uh, you know, it's the same old Browns, and they're just a bunch of great faces, and I'm like, damn, you know, I wanted to tweet out that the Browns have uh, signed linebacker Vontaze Perfect, you know, because we know the history of Vontaze Perfect and this Pittsburgh Steelers, you, gotta, you can't probably want to get him back in the league, but you can get his a reasonable facsimile, you know, him and one of those cheesy mustaches attached to the nose. Uh, Juju talking big boy stuff. Problem is, like, I want to call him out like that, but I didn't tweet it out because honestly, I agree. Like, I, that's, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, mm-hmm. You can say the same about the Bears, so I'm not gonna be, I'm not, I'm not being hypocritical here. But I definitely agree with the sentiment. I just know that that's not gonna be something that goes over well for Juju. I mean, I, I, those things rarely do. And he seems to be the master of, of putting a bulletin board material out there, but, uh, yeah. That was not the best thing. Now, what I will say is this. I'm not sure that if Cleveland wants to jump out to an early lead, that the Steelers are capable of coming back like they once were. That offense hasn't been great. It's in the 20s. Uh, the defense is like the number one in the league, but that, that offense is bad. And so if the Steelers are finding themselves in a hole, they could struggle, especially because they rested people in week 17. You rested guys and you weren't playing well to, to begin with. Maybe they're blaming it on the fatigue. I don't see that being the case. I think it's honestly just that they're not that good anymore. Um, they're limited in what they can do offensively. Uh, we heard that from Mike Tomlin a few weeks ago. The play action and some of the other stuff, bootlegs and nakeds and stuff like that, they can't really do because of been uh, limited mobility now. The fact of the matter is, though, there's, there's a very – it's a non-zero chance that the Browns make this tough. The question is, which Steelers team do we see? Do we see the one that we saw for those three we stretched that started with the Washington game and, and ended with, I think, Buffalo? Was it Buffalo or Minnesota? I can't remember which. It, ended, it was a three-game skit. Or do we see the one that we saw in Week 17 that came back and got the Colts? It's up to them. They can do whatever they want, the Steelers. They have a very talented team. But they don't always play like up to their talent level. And that's, I think, got to be the fear if you're a Steelers fan and the worry if you're a Steelers player slash coach because – there's a definite chance that you're going to blow this because you just don't seem to have – you have no running game to speak of. And your passing game seems to take too often to click and is really just a series of herk and jerk moves that might uh, work out, might not. Stepping off the field, the big news of the day – well, not off the field. It's still on the field related, but whatever. I'm sidetracking and getting uh, 
I'm digressing into sidetracked here. Uh, big news of the day, Deshaun Watson reportedly, quote, extremely unhappy with the Texans. This is per uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media. He, he being Watson, wanted Eric Bieniemy, and the Texans didn't even interview him during the uh, interview request process. Now, I would imagine they have another shot at this at the end of the year. Um, and I'll talk about how that wraps up into all of this later on. But um, this is something that, while that might seem like superfluous, it's not just this. It's the Watson trade, or I'm sorry, the Hopkins trade. It's the trade for Tunsil. It's the, how cash-strapped they are right now with no draft picks coming in at the top level and a very limited roster. Uh, and it's the process. He's reportedly extremely unhappy with their hiring process. Supposedly, he was told by the former GM, Rick, uh, in the former was GM? He was told by former Brass in Houston that he would be involved in the hiring process. Ownership, Cal McNair. He was told that he would be uh, involved in the hiring process of the general manager, Be had ideas bounced off of him, and reportedly had a, a list of names that he wanted them to discuss. He did expect them to hire, but he wanted them to talk to him, and he wanted to talk to the guys that they wanted to. He wanted to feel involved in the process, not necessarily guide the process. This is by reports. I have no inside information. This is all reports you can find on Twitter and, and uh, free, freely shared. They reportedly would come back and didn't do what he asked. They got Nick Casario from the Patriots. He didn't know about that. He found out about that move on Twitter. Um, so you can see the frustration. You can see the reasons for the frustration. He just signed that big contract. Um, and I, like I said, the, the Texans have no first-round pick. They're 20-plus million over the salary cap. And they're doing things. It, it, would sound, it sounds like they're doing things going against their word. But with that mega deal comes $67 million in dead cap, dead money if he's traded per Spotrack, uh, com. He also has a no trade clause. However, there are some signs that this could be a real thing. First of all, this store was broken by Pro Football Weekly, so nobody took it tr- uh, for real at first. Pro Football Weekly, Pro Football Talk. Florio. Um and then it was subsequently kind of validated, that report, by Rappaport's report, by his tweet. And then it was further validated by Watson following a parish meteorologist here in Chicago. Now, here's where we're getting into the weeds and it's getting all funky. On top of all that dead money, on top of the, the amount of compensation it's going to take, there's a good chance this is just a troll and a marketing ploy or, or a negotiating ploy by Watson to get a good sit down with Casario because, again, I'm pretty sure they'll have another crack at the enemy. I don't care that he had another shot uh, or, or other interviews. There aren't many better situations than the Texans simply because you have the Sean Watson. You can move money around in the NFL. They'll find a way to get down. May not be great next year with the cap. But they'll figure out a way to work some more picks in there and get some value guys. And especially if they get a coach, if Casario, I hope I'm saying that right, Casario comes in and works with Watson on coming, landing a new coach. Doesn't have to be a coach he wants, but if it'd be an enemy, that'd be smart. I don't even understand why they wouldn't request it anyway. Because Airbnb is one of the hottest names on the market. So I don't know why that would be an issue. But again, I, I, I really want to say that they're going to just go after him. He's not done. He's got. He's gonna make it probably to the Super Bowl. So I have a good chance feeling they're gonna get another shot to interview him because he's he's there's no job that he shouldn't be able to get if he wanted. 
and I don't know how he would want any other job above coaching Deshaun Watson. If you if you got to leave Patrick Mahomes, if you have to leave Patrick Mahomes, the choice is to Deshaun Watson at this point. And I mean, you can go to Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, if we're looking around the future, are you going anywhere before that? I'm not. Not right now. I don't see it happening. The Bears don't have the moves. Uh, that's why I want Tyron Matthew tweeted out a few teams. Um, the San Francisco 49ers who could be interested. The New Orleans Saints, if Drew Brees hangs it up. And the Chicago Bears. San Fran probably has the best possibility of doing it. But I'm not sure if any of those teams really do uh, make sense. You have the Jaguars who hold the number one pick. Maybe they want the proven as opposed to trying to go with Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure how any of that all plays out. I just know that if the Bears, if it's a possibility that you go get Deshaun Watson, uh, the Bears cannot drop that ball twice. They passed up on him in the draft. It cut, came back to bite them in the form of not being able to uh, accept the fifth-year option on the quarterback that you traded up to draft, and it appears that you might have a chance to rectify that. I doubt it. I don't think it happens. Again, I think this is a negotiation ploy. But damn it, if it's I'm on the phone. You better be on the phone. And the starting point is name your price, and then we'll work from there. Point, there's, I'm, everybody can go. All of them. Pass, pass first league, quarterback driven league. There's nobody that you don't move, no pick you don't move. You go full, you go all the way in. I've heard, I've heard both comparisons Herschel Walker and Ricky Williams. Yup. You know what the problem was there? They weren't quarterbacks. 25. Got him under control for the next five years, and you would be, be a hero. You, boy, don't play. If it's possible, you need to be on the phone. You need to be on the phone to find out if it's possible. So you need to be on the phone. You don't don't drop that ball twice, Bears. Just don't. Other quick hitting news: Amari Cooper uh, had over a thousand yards receiving, but had a bum ankle. He tweeted out a picture or shared a picture of himself uh, coming out of surgery, saying the surgery was a success. Uh, ankle surgery had it cleaned up routine maintenance stuff but still the man with some of the smoothest route running ability i've seen in the nfl running around on a bum ankle racking up 1000 yards impressive speaking of cowboys this is a former cowboy a former cowboys head coach and current giants offensive coordinator jason garrett could land with the los angeles chargers i mm, mm, i don't know how look <laughs> When you look at the explosion from Dak and the offense with Jason Garrett gone, I'm not sure how your thought, if your Chargers ownership is, hey, man, you know who we need to go holler at to go come in and, and uh, coach up our young, impressive passer? Jason Claps Garrett. Now, you want to talk about, oh, well, he's done a good job with the Giants. Joe Judge is running that ship there, and he's an offensive-minded guy. He might not be calling plays. He runs that ship, though. He's a Patriots uh, uh, export, so there's no way he's not running the ship. There's, you're not, you don't do that. Don't put Jason, don't do that Justin Herbert. Respect Justin Herbert and don't put Jason Garrett in that position because that's just not good. That's not a win for anybody. Um, You can talk about his quote-unquote development of Dak Prescott, but like I just said, look at how that offense took off as soon as Garrett was gone. That alone, the immediacy. Of, of, of how much better they looked to me is enough to, to disqualify him from coming in. And not because he's not capable of being a coordinator, but not my head coach. The culture that you have to establish and all that kind of stuff is important. 
And I'm not sure. I, we saw that it didn't happen for him in Dallas. Maybe he'll turn. Wouldn't be me to find out. Switching gears over to the NBA, the top story there, sadly, uh, have to talk about it. it happened yesterday. Markel Foles tore his ACL. Um, the young point guard was actually having a, a great rebound. We know about the start to his career with the TOC or the th- um, thoracic outlet syndrome, TOS syndrome, something like that, TO something syndrome in the shoulder where he had to relearn how to shoot the basketball. Um, missed his rookie season and or some games. Missed a good chunk of his rookie season, most of it, and has just really been battling back for his entire career, except for last year and this one. And Torres ACL is out for the season now. It's something that you really hate to see. Um, he was a guy that was on my short list for most improved players. And now they're going to have to rely down there in Orlando for Cole Anthony uh, to step up big time. He's going to have a big opportunity now playing 30-plus minutes a night with Fultz down. What this also does, I think, is free up some a spot in the playoffs in the East. Uh, Orlando did make it, and I think that that not having Fultz is going to hurt them. They no longer have DJ Augustine there to kind of you know guide them in the, in the absence, and I think they're going to feel that pressure now. Maybe they pull a trade or something for somebody and try to stay active, but uh, this could be a move that allows one of the other teams, maybe the Bulls can move up a slot, maybe they actually make it. I'm not sure where they would be. Uh, where they'll end up, I, we're still trying to figure out what that team is right now. But this injury is brutal for Fultz, but it hurts Orlando, I think, more than we want to talk about right now. The Philadelphia 76ers got dub-plussed by the Nets. The Nets were playing without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Kyrie sat for personal reasons and had Twitter all up in the buzz because one Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, friend of the show, shout out to Scoop B, uh, tweeted out that Kyrie sat for a mental health day. He said he didn't really want to play. He put it in quotes as if that came out of Kyrie's mouth, and then uh, everybody kind of was was reacting to that. Some people, uh, Banksy, uh, was saying that you know it's irresponsible to retweeting what he says, and I'm, I'm not sure how that was irres- irresponsible for him uh, or anybody to retweet it. He's not... I, Honestly, I think people are worried too much about it. First of all, if Kyrie did say that, who the hell cares? So what? So what? He didn't want to play. And at least he didn't lie about it and say fake an injury. He told you the truth. Um, But I don't think it would work that way anyway because, see, the one thing I, is I think that Kyrie could get fined because I'm not sure where this game was televised all that, but, like, you know, I saw it. <laughs> and... uh. I know that they said if it's televised, I thought if it was televised that you couldn't sit. Maybe it was just the, the, the certain national broadcast, something like that, that the rest rules would allow players to be, uh, star players to be sat down. I'm not sure which one. Um, but I, I don't really care. He said, I'm pro- so what? There's a lot of, there's a lot of game left, a lot of, of season left. Relax, y'all. Stop getting up in arms about every little damn thing. On the other side, Philadelphia had a positive COVID test, and mark this here. Pick, pick, turn the volume a little bit. The positive was returned before the game. Seth Curry had his test come back positive uh, and immediately went into isolation. Joel Embiid, who was next to Curry uh, on the bench, also went into immediate self-quarantine to protect himself, protect his family in case he had it. Here's the thing. This happened before the game. 
how did the how how did you continue with this match? There's no way this this game should have kept going when the positive came back beforehand. I thought this came the test was immediately after or even subsequently during, and I, I maybe understand if you'd already been going. But it happened before, and you could have stopped any further spread. Now you you have to worry. Um, reports are that the Nets are flying back uh, anyway. But that's incredibly irresponsible by Philadelphia to uh, go out there like that with the positive knowledge before the game. Just an odd decision. Doesn't make any sense. Also, um, they got dubbed by the Nets without Kyrie and KD. Joe Harris had 28 points. Philly is not it. They got to break those two up. I, we tried. I tried. I have said it before, and then I tried to give them a, a little bit of a break with Doc and with Ben and Joel, and they've been playing well. They were. We just gave them praise for having the top seat, uh, uh, the top record. And games like this happen. Kendrick Perkins tweeted that out. I think we're going to see this more often than we want to, though. The, the directions, directionlessness. I think we'll see that in big games going forward. Luka Doncic, and I'm over. You'll be happy to know I'm over my Luka Mia Culpas this year. We're, me and Luka are like, we're back on, we're on good terms. Uh, Luka is heating up this year. He had his first back, his first, uh, let's try it again. Luka Doncic <laughs> heating up this season. He's had his first back-to-back 30-plus point games of the year with uh, 38 Point game against the Denver Nuggets in overtime. He had averaging, he's averaging 33 points per game over his last three, 25 points per game over the regular season. Luka has been uh, struggling from the floor. The, the efficiency wasn't there, especially from deep. But he's rounding in the form, and it's really, it makes sense because a lot of these guys played basketball less than three months ago, like extensively. And so, to see the legs be a little bit dead, we've seen some shorter shots. Not surprising. It might be for different reasons. Some guys don't have the legs yet. Some guys' legs are dead and trying to get them back for the right, for this run. But this, he's riding in the form, and I think we're going to see him make a strong push for MVP. Now, I told you my MVP was AD. Uh, but Luke is going to be in that conversation, and he could damn well win it. And if he's heating up the way he looks to be, look out. Because he's about to be a problem for the rest of the NBA this season. And then lastly, players across the NBA spoke out on uh, the disturbance at the Capitol building yesterday, the storming of the Capitol building yesterday, the verdict on Jacob Blake, and and um, you heard from players, coaches, Doc Rivers and uh, Greg Popovich, LeBron spoke out, Jalen Brown spoke out, and I say all that to say this, I really do appreciate the NBA, the NBA allowing players to speak. We can talk about what the NBA itself does with its platform in terms of allowing them to have the letter, the the, the uh, words on the jersey to put the message on the floor. I thought that was a bit ridiculous because it's commercializing it. You're not, it's not really doing much for anything. Just putting the word, it's not doing much. But I appreciate that. That, that that's fine. What I really like is that the the players in the NBA feel empowered to speak as openly as they do. Agreement is overrated. Understanding is key, and we don't have enough of that because people just want to be agreed with and or want to be right instead of correct. And I know that's too deep, and I'm not going to get into those right now. I just really appreciate the fact that the NBA has put their its players in a position that they feel like when it's needed, when the moment calls for it, 
they are the proper people to speak up. The NFL could use more of that, and the NBA and NHL and so on and so forth could use some of that, period. NASCAR got a little bit of taste. I mean, NHL's got some. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, demonize the entire league. I'm saying the level that the NBA is at with the players speaking out is at a whole nother level that I think we see most other places, except for maybe overseas international soccer. Those players uh, speak out a lot as well. Um, but you saw players, uh, the Spurs and the uh, Lakers, locked arms in center court. Um, you had players kneeling throughout the anthem. But my my the thing I was most impressed by in all of it was just the fact that these players continue to feel empowered to speak, despite the fact that a lot of people want them to shut up. The same people who will turn around and step out of their lane and critique them. I it's it's an odd occurrence, but it happens. And so, just wanted to end the show with speaking up on again, not regardless of how you feel about the way the NBA spends its dollars and, and does its social justice thing. I appreciate the fact that its players feel empowered enough to speak out in the way that they do. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on uh, Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And follow the pod uh, at 30spod on Facebook and Twitter. That's at 30spod, the number three zeros in pod. Be sure to read the stuff. Just released an article on last on Pippin Ain't Easy a couple days ago about Zach Levine's passing that led to that impressive win over the Portland Trailblazers. Kind of feel like I jinxed him because they, he threw the game away late against the Kings, but still go and check out that article. Some good numbers in there. Those numbers, uh, never or numbers that count article for Pippin Ain't Easy. And then for last word, I wrote about the Bears are able to take this game against the Saints, like I told you, but the injuries to Roquan, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney. And to a much lesser extent, Buster Screen um, are very daunting. They loom large over this team. Also released on uh, Thursday was the preview for the uh, Super Wildcard Weekend on ClockerSports.com. So be sure to check all that out and uh, all the other great stuff we have. Uh, I think a no counter is coming out tomorrow. I think a brand new team stream drops tomorrow too. So that should be exciting as well. Now for all that stuff. Until uh, the very next time, I think you already know what it is.